There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Another episode, SI Boxing Podcast. On this episode, we have a huge rematch this weekend between Chocolatito Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada. Also have another rematch on that card with Cecilia Bracus taking on Jessica McCaskill for the Undisputed Women's Welterweight Championship. To talk about that and many more things, I bring back Sergio Mora, the former junior middleweight champion, uh, DAZN broadcaster. He joins me to run through all the action coming up this weekend. A little bit later on, David Benavidez, the former super middleweight champion. He is back in action on Saturday against Ronald Ellis. I talked to Benavidez about what's been a turbulent 12 to 18 months for him. He was a champion. He lost his title last summer. How does he plan on getting his back? And how does he think he'd fare against Canelo Alvarez in the super middleweight division? Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, as always, easy way to support it. Get over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? All the time. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, we are on the eve of one of the most anticipated rematches in recent memory. Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez against Juan Francisco Estrada. A rematch almost nine years in the making. To discuss this, I want to bring in a guy that knows nothing about being successful in rematches. Sergio <laughs> <laughs> Mora, who is... A dynamic one and three in rematch. Yeah, and I should have I should have probably lost that one too. Is it Peter Manfredo? The element of surprise is gone in the rematch, but we'll touch on that later. What um so Vera Forrest Jacobs, right? Three uh, L's. Yeah, and uh Manfredo and I should have had two other rematches with Elvin Ayala and Shane Mosley. Two draws. We don't need we didn't need a rematch with Mosley. That yeah, I not, beat him. Even still, that was not aesthetically pleasing, that fight. I don't don't want to see that fight again. Uh, hey, is, hold on. Good. Before we start, I want to touch on something here. You okay. must be really surprised we finally get a swanky room. I know you're used to the best westerns and La Quintas of the world, but... You think this is a swanky room? Great view. It's nice and hip. We got art. I mean, look look at your view. We got I mean, art. mine's a swankier, but... I'm looking know. at a building in downtown Dallas. I think it's nice. It's you had nice. a suite two weeks ago in Miami. Yeah, but I'd rather have this one. The suite was an old suite, and this is nice and hip. <laughs> this, first of all, it's not hip. Very hip. 
fought him. All right, let's get into Gonzalez against Estrada too. They, these two last fought back in 2012. That fight was at 108 pounds. Terrific fight. Fast forward nine years, and you have the rematch at 115 pounds. Uh, a title unification fight between two of the best smaller weight boxers in the world. Let's start with the first fight in 2012, Sergio. That was a fight that was so anonymous at that time. Uh, was it even on American TV? Like we've been no. watching, we've been watching YouTube videos from TV Azteca. Like that is what the television coverage then. But it turned out to be a terrific fight. You've now watched that fight probably a dozen times. Um, what do you remember about it? I'm going to quote Mark Ortega here because yeah, I think he, he, he put it nicely when he says it was eight years ago, four months and two weight classes ago that these two fought in 2012 and they're still at their peak. I mean, it's pretty incredible that we're still talking about them, especially when we're talking about flyweights where they usually have a, a short career span. It's pretty impressive because we're in the presence of greatness. I know that in Miami, the title of that bill was witness greatness well this one could easily be titled witness greatness because we're watching uh, a fighter that comes only once every 20 years in chocolatito and estrada's proving that he's uh, on the same level uh but yeah normally these these flyweights don't last that long and for us to be talking about them still is amazing and the first fight they both threw a thousand punches and we expect that from Chocolatito, but for Estrada to do it in a weight class that, that he wasn't comfortable with, uh, we just talked to him on the fighter meetings without getting too much into it. He said he struggled making weight. He didn't drink water for two days. He didn't eat. These are familiar stories for boxers, but for him to say that and to know that he still gave everything in that fight, making it so competitive all the way to the end, still throwing that many punches, just be, be ready for this rematch, man. Be ready for this explosiveness between two fighters, one at its peak and one that's already a legend. No, we we do see rematches nine, ten years or more after the first fight in boxing, but more often than not, they're terrible. I mean, Roy Jones, Bernard Hopkins is an example that was decades in the making that turned out to be a big-time dud. Here, you've got one fighter in Gonzalez that's probably past his prime. I mean, he bounced back nicely from the knockout to Sor Rungvisai, with a knockout win over Cal Yafai, picked up another win over Israel Gonzalez. But there's no question that Gonzalez was the superior fighter back in 2012, and now the script has been flipped a little bit, right? Estrada is the fighter in his prime, and he's doing it in a weight class I think he's far more comfortable in. I mean, you mentioned it. Estrada really had to squeeze down to get to 108. He had been fighting as high as 115 a couple of fights before that fight in 2012, but he understood what was at stake, probably a lot of money as well to fight Chocolatito at that point. Um, now, I wonder what we have in Chocolatito. I mean, you called his fight against Cal Yafai. That was supposed to be sort of a proverbial scalp for Cal Yafai. It was going to get Chocolatito's name on his resume. Uh, Gonzalez turned the tables, won that fight. Do you believe that Gonzalez has turned back the clock after that fight, or... Do you think the Sorungvisai loss still lingers? Pervib proverbial. Proverbially, proverbial yes. scalp. I like that. You should add that in your mediocre writings. I mean, that's good. I mediocre like that. Mediocre what? <laughs> in your re mediocre essays. Whatever. Listen, when it, <laughs> when it comes to greatness, you can never doubt greatness, man. And, and even though that wasn't classic Chocolatito, it was vintage Chocolatito. And whenever you're talking about these, these, these huge fighters these legends even when they're past their prime they can muster up great victories if you could just look back at sugar ray leonard Hagler, tommy hearns what he did moving up winning uh, uh at light heavyweight uh duran is the king of of reinvention and this is what what chocolatito reminds me of of a roberto duran and he fights similar to him they're both central american they both uh, are four division world champions it's incredible that these fighters that are past their prime like you just said can still beat fighters in their prime. And Gallo Estrada is in his prime. This is a fighter that that is a pound-for-pound pound top 10 great and fighting a legend. You can never doubt greatness. You can never doubt legendary fighters. And and this is the reason uh, this fight, even though Chocolatito has been knocked out brutally. Normally, when a fighter gets knocked out brutally, they're never the same. He just proved against Cal Yafai that, that he, can, he can bring out that inner greatness again. So... 
I can't talk about it because I was never a great fighter. And I can tell you that because I wasn't. You're not a great writer. So you can talk about mediocrity. Greatness is only something that few can describe. No, 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 listen. Few can describe it. We, we, we got to humble up here. We're in the presence of greatness and we're witnessing it. They can muster up something we can't. They can bring to life something that we don't know about. So you just never doubt it. No, I, I don't doubt Chocolatito's greatness. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer when his career is over. Uh, but are you saying, I mean, what are you looking for in this fight? What is the X factor for you in this fight? Whether it's, you know, for me, it's, it's can Chocolatito continue to apply the same type of effective pressure that he did in that first fight? The first fight, he was at his most successful when he was applying the pressure. He hurt uh, Estrada in those middle rounds. Estrada said himself he had to dig deep to uh, to survive those middle rounds. To me, it's, it's can Gonzalez at 115 apply the same type of pressure to Estrada that he did at 108? Yes, uh, I think that's his only way to win. Um, against Caliafai, I think it was Caliafai making it easier for Chocolatito. If Cho- I don't think Caliafai understood just what kind of shape you had to be in to fight the guy. Don't like you, you had to be able to move. Don't you dare interrupt me again, Mannix. Okay. Caliafai fought the wrong fight, just like Cecilia Breakers fought the wrong fight with McCaskill, but just that's like another did, story. Just like you did against Brian Vera. I will drop the mic and leave this room. <laughs> no, but uh, when you fight the wrong game plan and there's no one to blame but yourself, and Caliafai fought that wrong game plan, and that's why we're talking about Chocolatito here. Now, with Israel Gonzalez, Chocolatito showed vintage uh, Chocolatito, his aggression, his angles, the way he was able to cut off the ring. This is what made you him... You thought that was vintage Chocolatito? I didn't say prime. I said vintage. You said, yes. That's what yeah. I asked. You said yeah, vintage? Absolutely. Okay. absolutely. We saw we saw signs of life. We saw signs of, of what made him a little giant. What made him... You I know, didn't love that performance. I thought it was good, but, you know, eh. Gonzalez is kind of a fringy contender. You know, that's a guy I thought in the past Chocolatito would have Gonzalez was in there with some pretty good names, and yeah. that was a damn good win, and it was a convincing one-sided win. It's the way he beat him. He just... He just backed him up and beat him. Yeah. I gave Gonzalez one round. Yeah. I was watching that fight last night. So it's the way to beat him. If he would have struggled with them or or maybe, you know, uh, uh, been rocked a couple of times, then I would have said, no, nah, we're talking about a, a fighter past his prime, and I can be honest. No, we're talking about a special once-in-a-generation type fighter in Chocolatito. And um, when it comes to Estrada, we got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he struggled with weight and he dehydrated fighting in a, in a weight class that he wasn't comfortable in. You know, and and that that's why the, there's so many intriguing questions going into this fight. Everybody, all eyes should be on this on this fight on this Saturday because if you're a boxing fan, you're you're watching two of the best, not only at this moment but in the last five, ten years. I mean, we're talking about greatness here, uh, multi division world champions, fighters that throw a thousand punches around. It's gonna be incredible, Mannix. I'm telling you, man. This is, you know, in the fight with Caliafai, I, I think I, I, I displayed my, my awe of Chocolatito, and I think we're gonna be, be, be prepared to show some, be prepared for something special Saturday. Gonzalez is 33. He turns 34 in the middle of June. Do you think this is win or go home for him? Absolutely, 100. It's, it's a. Uh, and, and I don't think there's going to be a middle ground. I don't think he loses a close fight. I think he's going to win convincingly or he's going to lose convincingly. And that's that's how great fighters go out. It says great. a lot because that first fight was very close. Right, right. But, you know, we all know that legends die hard. And we're talking about how legendary this man is. Now, you know, um, this, this man is either going to muster up something so special that we're going to be in awe like I'm talking about or we're going to see a legend go out like legends do. What about Estrada? Do you look at him as being significantly improved since that first fight? It was his first world championship fight. We talked about him dropping down to 108. Uh, He was a much greener fighter as opposed to Chocolatito, who was on the path to being the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the sport. Have you seen, from what you've watched of Estrada, improvements in him over the years? Uh, Slight improvements. I think the, the, the biggest improvement from 2012 to now is his confidence knowing he belongs as two division uh, world titles being a, being in there with fighters that that are the best and avenging all his all his uh, rematches that he's lost you know so i mean all his all his losses so want to go 
want to go with Chocolatito and I think his, 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 his mental state of mind and his preparation, and we just got done with the fighter meetings. I think everyone looked supremely confident, but Estrada now believes everything everyone's been talking about him. And when a fighter starts believing uh, uh, the hype and, and believing in his own talent, that's when you got something special. And we got something special with a pound-for-pound pound top 10 fighter in Gallo Estrada who now knows that he's pound-for-pound pound material. All right, that's the main event. The co-main is another rematch, this one from just about six, seven months ago. Uh, Jessica McCaskill, the undisputed women's welterweight champion, she has a rematch with Cecilia Bracus, who is the former undisputed women's welterweight champion. This is a fight that, Sergio, you called it. Uh, in the immediate aftermath, you wouldn't have thought that we would have a rematch. It seemed like Cecilia Bracus was retiring. She had said to Jessica McCaskill, I look forward to seeing you you know, your career go on. I don't mind passing the torch. She sounded like a retired fighter. And let's start there. Are you surprised that Breakers took the rematch? No. I would have been surprised if she didn't take the rematch because, one, it was a close fight in a fight that possibly could have gone her way. Uh, and she's leaving too much money on the table. She's such a great fighter, another, another fighter that accomplished amazing things. And her first loss came with so many reasonable excuses so many reasonable excuses she had what three camps that she started and stopped i've been there i think every fighter been there you get mentally drained physically tortured and and you don't know when you're going to hit your peak you don't know when you're going to be having to taper down from training so hard you're just that going at 100 the entire time and then finally when the fight comes you're a shell of what you were because mentally you're drained. And especially in Big Bear. We just heard in the fighter meetings. I, I've trained in Big Bear before. The reason fighters go up there is because of isolation. And we love the isolation. But when you have to do it for four months instead of six weeks, that's more incarceration. That's loneliness. That's, that's missing your family, being away from you know, your home in Norway. Your, it's just so many excuses, but reasonable ones. And I give her credit for that. I seen a refreshed side of her in the fighter meeting. Um, very confident. And I think Abel Sanchez said some great things as well. Anytime a fighter and a trainer are, are, are um, on the same page, you know it's going to be good. But on the flip side of that, Jessica McCaskill was so confident well, let, in that let's fighter keep it on. Let's keep it on break us for a second here because she said something interesting and she has said this at different times over the last few weeks about how this fight's for her. Like she doesn't need I love it. that line. Well, I love that line. I love the line, but... I don't think it's necessarily true. Like she nope. says, nonsense. I, it is true. Dude, hold listen. On. Let no, me get you hold this. on. Let me get through no. this first. I'll let you answer. Let me get through my, my point. I, she says this fights for her. She doesn't need it for her legacy. I don't think her legacy is as strong as she thinks it is. Yes, she has been a world champion for more than a decade. She was this close to breaking Joe Lewis's record for consecutive world title defenses. But she has never climbed or really dropped weight classes. And that, to me, is the testament or is the example of being a great fighter. You dare to be great. She has sat at welterweight and not moved up or down for big fights. So she may be a first ballot Hall of Famer and probably is because she has been one of the pioneers of women's boxing. But if she loses to Jessica McCaskill, Sergio... I think that will significantly dent her resume. No, you are wrong. And I love that line by Cecilia Breakers that she's doing it for her because whenever a fighter loses for the first time, especially, and loses four belts in a four belt era for the first time, she was already out the door. She was already talking about she was already talking about retirement. Fighters, when they start discussing retirement, they're already out the door. They're mentally checked out. And Je Jessica McCaskill picked up on that. Uh, Breakers knows that she she didn't fight her fight that first half of the fight. She fought she fought Jessica McCaskill's fight. She didn't fight like she normally does behind a long jab, one two, uh, moving around the ring. Abel Sanchez, her trainer, said that she didn't fight the right fight. They believe that she gave up that fight instead of McCaskill taking it away from her. And I think it's the other side. McCaskill took it away from her, regardless of that. Great fighters like that, like Breakers, don't want to go out on a loss, especially in a loss that they, that they feel they could have won. There's so many questions that are left unanswered, and you can't doubt 
greatness like that. Now, you got to put the, the Joe Lewis record into context. I mean, Joe Lewis and Cecilia Brakus, totally different fighters and totally different generations. I don't think that was the the, the, the thing that really uh, ignited her, her, her momentum. I don't think you also think you can't compare male and female you can't boxing compare, accomplishments you can't, just because of the depth of talent at in both sides of it men are from mars and women venus okay, or vice versa whatever exactly whatever the right. case is yes we're different and you got to put that into context but still i love the fact that she said i'm doing this for me because fighters that have never tasted defeat like a floyd mayweather and say a ricardo lopez and rocky marciano they they felt they didn't leave it all in the ring and they they're gonna have to always wonder if they did enough and if they challenged themselves all the way to the end it takes a loss to really discover yourself and discover yourself as a fighter it really does and for breakers to say i'm doing this for me not for the record books not for my trainer not for my country i'm doing this for me i love that line because that made me really believe that no matter how many records that she broke and how many things that she accomplished uh for women's boxing being the pioneer she's doing this for herself Man, I love that line. Well, she yes, it's again, it's a great line, but it doesn't change the point that if she loses to Jessica McCaskill, it will tarnish her legacy because I don't think her legacy is all that great. I mean, as far as who she's beaten and what she's accomplished. You talk about the undefeated record. To Wait, me, Wait, now let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Wait a minute. Her legacy is not great, so Tell, why don't you explain to me uh, 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 Clarissa Shields' legacy? Is her is she great? Is she the greatest of all time? Can you compare her resume to Brakus and say her resume is significantly stronger than Cecilia Brakus's? Really? Significantly. Really? Clarissa Shields. It begins with two Olympic gold. No, no, no. no. We're talking about professional. Okay. Just as a professional, three weight division champion. Two. Can you weight name? Division. Can you name the three fighters that she beat? She just beat Marie Eve DeCare. She has beaten Franchon Cruz Desern early in her career. Yeah, pro debut, I believe it was. She has beaten Hannah Rankin, Hannah Gabriels. I can name a number of her opponents. And that doesn't make them good opponents. It just That's makes my them, point. But I, my, you and I have this discussion on DeZone all the time. I believe that moving up and down weight matters. And frankly, you believe it too because you freaking did it. Like, you drop down to 154 for the opportunity to fight Vernon Forrest, and the feather in your cap, the touchstone of your career, was winning that world title against Vernon Forrest. If you had said at 160, being like, yeah, I'm not going to do it, what would you be? You wouldn't be a world champion, most likely. So, you have to move up and down in weight class, and especially so, Sergio, in women's boxing. Don't you think that Amanda Serrano's legacy is pretty impressive because she jumps from like 115 to 140 for titles. Don't you think it's impressive what Katie Taylor has been trying to do going from what, 135, 140, maybe up to 147? Meanwhile, Cecilia Brakus has fought some good opponents but has not left welterweight. And I think that matters. What if every fighter in boxing stayed in one weight class? What would we have? What would boxing look like? Floyd Mayweather would be... <laughs> the greatest 130 pounder of all time, but it wouldn't be Floyd Mayweather. Uh, I'm not saying they shouldn't move up and down in weight class. Of course, fighters should attempt greatness, especially if they feel comfortable about it. And some fighters, you know, are just special. Manny Pacquiao, eight divisions. Uh, uh, Roberto Duran, five foot seven, four divisions. I mean, he became the first Latino. So whenever you're talking about leaving your weight class, of course, but it's so dangerous and that's what makes it so special. I like uh, smaller fighters going up in weight. I just don't like bigger fighters coming down in weight. They leave their fight on the scale. They're not as strong. And then they have a valid excuse. Oh, I dropped too much weight. And that's a valid excuse. So I just don't think we're going to see. Clarissa Shields started her career at 168. And you expect her to go down to 147, 152? That's ridiculous. Okay, but how about this? If Cecilia Brakus can beat Jessica McCaskill, and Clarissa Shields says you can fight for the undisputed 154-pound championship. Move up to 154. What should Breakers do? Breakers just needs to concentrate on just Jessica McCaskill. Okay, McCaskin. yeah, but we're pundits here, Sergio. So we look past no, that you're for a, a pundit. You are too. It's not, a, it's not a four-letter word. It's not an insult, okay? You're a pundit. You are now. You're retired. At least I think you are. You go to one, do you go to 154 if you're, if you're Cecilia Breakers? No. Why? No. 
I, I, I don't like it. I, For what reason? To fight who? Claressa Shields. Maybe, because she, <laughs> maybe. Okay, maybe. For the undisputed for the, championship. You know, but I don't like Jessica McCaskill going up in weight to fight Clarissa Shields. And I'll tell you why. But we're not, not Bra- talking about Bra- her Bra- is a little bit taller. She fights, when she fights the way she fights, size doesn't matter because she's an excellent one-two puncher. She's an she's a excellent ring generalship. She feels she's also she, a pretty big 147. That's my point. So she has the size to fill out that, that, that weight. So usually when you have a taller fighter, I believe she's five foot seven, then you can fill out that weight division. Oscar De La Hoya was able to do it because he's five foot ten and he was and he started his career at 130. So you got to, Put that into to, into context. The fact that they have the height to fill out that weight division, but whenever you have a shorter fighter moving up like that, it's just going to be dangerous. If she wins and doesn't move up to fight Clarissa Shields and winds up fighting somebody else at 147, to me, she's not Floyd Mayweather. She's not Roy Jones. She's Sven Otke is what she is. She's what? Sven Otke. Remember Sven Otke? Retired, oh, undefeated. yeah, yeah, yeah. O-T-T-K-E. Yes. Retired, mm. undefeated. But nobody looks at Sven Aki as an all-time great. In fact, he avoided Wasn't he Canadian? Fights. I don't know. Was it, uh, I remember the name, yeah. Who was the other one? What was, was Darius Mikulczewski, did he yes, retire undefeated? Yes, I remember. Yes. Uh, no, he lost once, I believe. He, he was supposed to, remember, but he was supposed to fight Roy Jones. And then no. said, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to fight Roy Jones. And that, you know, whenever I think of Darius Mikulczewski, I think Roy Jones didn't fight him. And maybe if he fought Roy Jones, he probably would have gotten his you know, ass handed to him because Roy Jones at that time was an all-time great. But dare to be great, man. What are you in this business for? Like, to, to test your skills and to make a boatload of money and for the legacy. Mon- the money is why they should do it. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, Cecilia Briggs... He lost his last two, Mikulczewski. That was the very end of his career, though. He lost uh, Hulu Susan Gonzalez and uh, Fabrice... That's Fioso. the second time you interrupt me once more and I'll walk out of it's this like dirty four room. times. It's not dirty. The bed's not made. Um... I lost my train of thought. It was was more, we're talking about legacy. And how Cecilia Breakers should move up to 154. No, maybe she can move up to 154, but right now she's going to have her hands full with the McCaskill. And uh, with Clarissa Shields, it's just a shame she's on an island of her own, uh, an island of greatness on her own, and she has nobody to fight. She's marooned in greatness. See, that's writing, man. She is. It's not good writing. She is marooned (laughs) in greatness. But... She is willing to cut to 147. You just, you don't even like that. I don't know why you don't like that. Like if she's, she's 25 years old. If she's willing to drop seven more pounds for a big fight, you should be applauding that. She already dropped eight pounds from super middleweight. Yes. You expected to drop, you know, what, 10, 12 more? No, seven, seven more. She fought her last two fights, like two or three at 154. So why not drop seven more pounds? And she said she can do it. If she says she can do it and um, and she feels comfortable about it, maybe have one fight in between, at, you know, then, then yes, then yes. But to go down the down in that weight division is just for your first fight and it's going to be a the biggest fight of your career. It just I don't like the idea of it because then you have an excuse. I lost too much weight and then we all get robbed of something. We 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 get robbed of her fighting at her best. All right, let's move on to the other fight this weekend. Um, that fight is over on Showtime. You got David Benavidez returning to the ring, his first fight since last summer, his first fight since losing his super middleweight championship on the scale. Benavidez is going to stay at 168 pounds. He's taking what is basically a stay-busy fight against Ronald Ellis. Um, Benavidez clearly has talent. He is a very talented 23-year-old, fast hands, power punching. What I question with Benavidez, Sergio... Discipline. Discipline and commitment, right? We, he had, we all question it, yeah. He, he had some of the outside-the-ring stuff with the drug issue that cost him his title the first time around. And the last time, he was, what, three pounds overweight for the fight against Angulo. Um, you know, talk to me about that. Like, you know, how, how worried would you be about Benavidez's commitment to becoming or living up to the talent that he has? Uh, if you knew... The history of fighters and the history of great fighters and the way we live and the way we grew up, you know, that's not, that's not, a, that's not something new. The greatest fighters have the worst, 
outside life, you know, uh, Mike Tyson, you know, the, the Jake LaMotta, uh, Roberto Duran, uh, Oscar De La Hoya. I can go on and on. Sergio Mora. Did I just, <laughs> did I just throw my name in the list? Absolutely. Sergio Mora. No, no, no. But see, here's the thing, man. We, we come from a place of, um, of when we reach something, we reach a level, we want to enjoy the fruits of our labor. And sometimes we enjoy it too much. And sometimes those fruits branch out into something illegal. Uh, but that's what we work so hard for, man. And, and David Benavides is, is, is reaping, you know, those rewards. And if, if he can, if he can really bring back the things that got him there, he can be special. Um, I, I really don't, put too much into the the what he did wrong he's he, he's a champion he's undefeated he feels unstoppable right now every champion's been through there uh now he's getting to the point where he needs to make a decision are you a, are you gonna try to do something great or are you content with what you accomplished and that's just something that he has, has to answer for himself but as far as the bad habits go every great champion has, has had bad habits is actually what makes you great look at manny pacquiao freddie roach I just I just remembered it was a quote that Freddie Roach said. Manny Pacquiao started losing once he stopped gambling, womanizing, and drinking. Freddie Roach said maybe he should go back to doing all that. And that was a great quote, and I'm glad I remembered it because that's exactly what I'm trying to say, Chris Mannix. Every great champion has great vices, and that's what makes them do the crazy stuff they do. A little bit misleading to think that Pacquiao started to lose when he stopped gambling <laughs> and womanizing. Freddie, that was a Freddie Roach quote. I get it. I get it. But I think Pacquiao had some other issues like getting a little bit older and running into a big left hand from Juan Manuel Marquez that probably changed the course of a fight that he was winning the the outside the ring stuff the drug issue less concerned to me now that was now a couple of years ago at least but not making weight and especially when the stakes were that high like you keep that title and you put yourself in position to face Canelo Alvarez now Canelo had not been fighting at 168 at that point but everybody kind of knew he was headed in that direction imagine if Benavidez had made weight like the dollar figure alone would be enormous to face Canelo. We know that Canelo wants to be the undisputed super middleweight champion. Uh, if Benavidez had a belt, he'd be in the same position as Caleb Plant. So maybe that's a humbling thing for him, you know, knowing that if he had just been more disciplined, been more focused, he would have still have his title and he'd be in line for a multi-million dollar payday against Canelo. I tell you what, I love Benavidez because he's a personable guy. He's coming up on the podcast a little bit later on. He's a very engaging, active guy. I think he can be a really big star in the U.S. if he can keep his act together and if he can stay focused. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I think he has he has the style, the Mexican style. Um, he's he's a really big you know, fighter. We It's a rarity to see a, a, a Mexican or a Mexican-American at super middleweight. But to be that damn good, he has some of the fastest hands at super middleweight. He's undefeated. But you know what? What's equally as as important, aside from keeping that world title, is staying undefeated. And I know you don't like that zero, but that zero brings you money. That zero brings you more zeros, Mannix, like I like to say. So he, he may not have that green belt, but he still has that undefeated record. And and sometimes fighters like like canelo or championship level fighters they just want to take that zero that's equally as impressive they want to take that donut away you know so uh benavides he, he has something in that he's a former champion he's undefeated and he's one of the top three uh uh, uh super middleweights I, I don't disagree talented guy you can catch sergio and i on the call chocolatito against estrada that is saturday night live on DAZN. catch us during the week too we do a little show called jabs on DAZN three times a week can i turn the air back on Dude, my room? why is it so cold in here now it's, i know why now, you're so cold and rigid everywhere you go you're just a cold man man i can barely breathe in here it's so hot and put away your propecia pills when we come back my conversation with david benavides Dave Benavidez is the former two-time super middleweight champion. On Saturday, he will make his return when he takes on Ronald Ellis. That's a fight you could watch on Showtime. And David joins me here on the show. David, you are a former WBC champion. You lost that title on the scales last summer. We recently saw Canelo Alvarez back in the ring defending that belt, your former belt, uh, against Avni Yildirim, an utterly inferior opponent. Uh, did you watch that fight? And how did you feel watching that fight? 
Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I watched the fight. Um, I didn't really think too much going into it. You know, I what happened is exactly what I thought was going to happen. I thought Canelo was just going to have too much skill, too much power. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, punch it from all types of angles, and it was going to eventually, you know, uh, 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 stop Ildrum quick. I expected Ildrum to throw a little bit more, though, you know, to put up a little bit more fight, all the stuff he was saying. So I expected a little bit more, but, I mean, it ended exactly how I thought it was going to end. So, um, you know, but uh, as for Ildrum, I don't think uh, that was – I don't think that was the best opponent for Canelo, especially of Ildrum being out for two years. And um, his last fight was a loss. You know, I, I kind of didn't know – I didn't, I didn't understand what, why they made that the mandatory for him. But, you know, I mean, it worked out. Both parties, you know, Canelo got an easy fight and Eldrum got a big payday. So, I mean, it worked out for both of them. Yeah, it worked out for everybody but the people watching at home. who <laughs> yeah. Just a, a total garbage. I, yeah. I Look, man, I mean, like, I understand that ranking systems aren't perfect, but Eldrum had no business being the number one contender. He lost to Anthony Durrell, a guy you took care of pretty handily, and then <laughs> – before that, it was a knockout by Chris Eubank. I mean, there's there's no there's no objective way you can look at that and say Ildrum deserved to be the number one contender. Is there? No, exactly. I mean, I mean, it is what it is. I guess. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I felt like I should have been in that fight. You know, I should have gotten that opportunity. You know, I I'm extremely ready. I was in camp since December, so I would have been ready to have that fight. And you know, the fans of boxing, they deserve better. You know, they deserve a better fight. I mean, it, I mean, I, it, will, it should have been an easy fight to make. You know, I was there. I was ready. So, I mean, I don't understand why they didn't give me the fight instead. But, but hey, you know, this coming up fight with, with uh, Ronald Ellis is a title limiter. So, hopefully, I get the shot I deserve, you know, after this fight. Canelo has dominated his opponents since the second fight against Golovkin. Do you think that your skill set would present – a different challenge than what we've seen from some of Canelo's recent opponents? Yes, definitely. Definitely. You know, the types of fighters he's fought, you know, they're kind of a little bit older guys, you know, they, they don't, they look like they're all scared of him in a way, you know, but the type of fighter I am, you know, I have a great jab. I have a great body shot. You know, I, I, I throw punches and bunches, great combinations. I'm a little similar to Canelo. I'm just taller and I have longer arms, you know, but I feel like, 
with me right now, I've been professional eight years, so I'm hungry for the opportunities. I'm hungry to make a name for myself. I, I want the big names. I've been two-time world champion already. I pay my dues, so I feel like, you know, I'm the, I'm the one who could get the job done, you know, and I truly believe in myself. I believe in my skills and my power. I'm 23 and I'm 23 and old with 20 knockouts. So I know if I get a guy in there, if I hit him in the right shots, you know, I could hurt him and I'll take him out. And then that goes for Canelo too. You know, Canelo, he bleeds like me, you know, and I bleed like him. So as long as I, you know, if, if people say he can hurt me, well, I can hurt him too. So when you missed weight uh, before the Angulo fight, how much thought afterwards did you give to moving up in weight? Um, I put a little bit of thought into it. Even when I came over here, I was trying to make a fight with John Pascal and, you know, that fell through and I was just like, man, I'm just going to, I mean, I still, I don't want to give up just because I, I, I missed weight, you know, one time out of the eight years I've been professional. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm not going to leave this weight class. And just right now I got out the sauna, you know, everything has been perfect. I was 170 right now. I was lighter than I was in my last fight. I mean, everything is going really good, man. I'm really excited. And I'm really happy. You know, I really put the work in and I'm, I'm getting the results back. And you now I'm just um, I'm very focused and I'm very motivated right now. And, you know, I feel like Big Bear is that sweet spot for me where, you know, I could reach my potential and I could be the best and I could be good on weight. So I plan to return in here all the time and I'm going to be at 168 for a couple more years. A lot of people know Abel Sanchez from his time with Golovkin. What have you gained from that partnership? I don't have a partnership with him. I just train here at the gym. Mm -hmm. But um. No, he's a good friend of mine. You know, he's a good friend of mine. You know, my 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 main trainer, my only trainer ever will be Jose Benavides Sr. But um, you know, I spar with some of Abel's guys, and you know, we give each other tips here and there. And then, but, um, but I consider Abel Sanchez a really good friend. I've known him since I was 15 years old, and he's a very good guy, man. And you know, he's uh he's allowed me to work here in his gym. You know, not a lot of people get the, not a lot of people get the what is it called? Like the access to the gym right here. As you can see, I'm in the gym right now, mm -hmm. and this is I've had in that ring right there. I've had some amazing wars with Golovkin. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm very grateful to have access and be here. Been to that gym. Yeah. Been to that gym many times. I, if I never have to make that long winding drive up to Big Bear again, I, I need a helicopter, man. You got to get to the point where you can take a helicopter up there. Yeah. That's real money. I'm, I'm a little bit scared of helicopters. Oh, I don't mind. I don't mind the drive over here. The drive, you know, it's completely different. So when you like leave LA, and you go up to that hill or, or you go up the mountain and it's just, it looks like you're in a whole different state, man. But it's crazy. I love it up here. It's, it's a, a place where I could focus, uh, really focus 100%. So you've got Ronald Ellis on March 13th. Um, I think every boxing fan, though, would love to see a showdown with you and Caleb Plant. It is, politically speaking, a makeable fight. But of course, it seems highly unlikely that Plant fights anyone until he gets that fight or sees if that fight can happen against Canelo. How do you feel about that? I definitely feel the same way. You know, I feel like he's going to sit out, sit out until he gets the Canelo fight. But after he, you know, after he takes that Canelo fight, I'm still going to be here. So, you know, if he takes it now, later, it doesn't matter. But I feel like, you know, he's waiting to get that big payday as everybody is when they talk about Canelo and potentially fighting him. So I feel like he's more focused on that. But, hey, time is on my side. You know, I just turned 24 in December. I got 10 more years in this sport. So if they don't do it now, I'll get them later. It doesn't matter. Um, but that fight definitely needs to happen. If, it, if you know, if he gets the Canelo fight, I have to fight Caleb Plant right after. I don't care about belts. I don't care about nothing. I just want to get that fight in with him. Would you do the same thing if you were in Plant's position right now? I mean, I would. Yeah. I mean, if I had the belt and I had either of those two fights, I would definitely fight Plant. Because also you got to look at it as a mar or a marketing standpoint too. The Canelo fight will be way bigger. Whoever wins out of me and Caleb Plant, out of both, out of me or him, we both win the respect for the fans, and that fight shoots up because that's whoever wins that fight and goes up against Canelo. That would be the real crown super middleweight. There's not going to be no questions where there's this guy on the side or this other guy right there. You know, the, the best are going to fight each other. And then the best, whoever wins out of the best in PBC goes up against the best super middleweight that everybody's considering pound for pound. Wouldn't you agree? I do. And I also, I also think that iron sharpens iron in a way. And when you're going up against the best fighter in the world in Canelo, I don't know that you can be fully prepared for it by going up against, you know, C and B minus at best level opponents before that. We've seen that happen with other Canelo opponents, and it just doesn't really work. You've got to be ready for that type of fighter. 
Yeah, exactly. And then also, too, you got to put yourself in a position, especially if you go up against Canelo. You got to put yourself or fight somebody to put yourself in a position where you you have to dig deeper and you have to the best has to come out of yourself. You know, sometimes it's better to have a little bit of experience than to just, you know, um, just going and seeing what's going to happen when you go up against the best fighter that everybody thinks. So um, even with me, man, after this fight, I want to I'm really trying to get a fight with Charlo. The, the one at 160, he said he was going to come up to 168. And in a dream, in the like a dream matchup, you know, I would want to get Charlo, I would want to get Caleb Plant, and then I want to go get against Canelo. So that's just kind of the route I want to get. That's why I've been trying to, I've been calling, trying to call these fighters out and make the fights happen. And then on, in, in all honesty, the fans deserve it. The fans been wanting to see me get tested. And I want, I want to get tested myself too. I want to see what I could do myself, you know, out of just to know. Not even just not even for the fans, but just to know myself that I'm the best. You know, I want that title and I want that respect. It, it, interesting choice of words there, Charlo and tested. Since apparently you're not allowed to face him until you get a COVID nineteen vaccine. Yeah. What and uh, then not to be twenty five. You forgot about <laughs> what, that. What did you think about that? I thought it was silly, man. I thought that was probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, if it does, um, what does it matter if? If a young kid is calling you out and you think you're a lion and you think you're the what does it matter if a 24-year-old calls you out? I thought you were big and bad. You know, what does it matter? Now you have to be, oh, I don't, I don't fight kids that are 24 years old. That's probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. If you look at, if you look at our, you know, careers, it's basically the same. Two-time world champions. We haven't really fought anybody that really big name. The only person he's fought is J-Rock. J-Rock, yeah, yeah. And I fought Anthony Durrell. Those were probably the biggest wins in our career. But after that, you know, there's not a, no other big name. So we've basically done the same thing. You know, so for him thinking that he's just a big, bad wolf right there and, you know, he's not going to fight a little kid, this and that, or he needs to get covered, it just, it's ridiculous to me. But that gives me – because now you're just saying stuff that is – it just it just sounds silly. And I, he's saying that for a reason because he's scared. You know, he wants to he wants to make it seem like he doesn't want to punish me or, you know, he just doesn't want to go out like that. But, you know, I, I know what it is deep down inside. I know he's scared. Do you think that fight, I mean, you know, if you had to be a gambling man here, does you against Jamal Charlo happen in 2021? Yeah, I want to make it happen after this fight. You know, I'm going to take care of Ronald Ellis and I'm going to talk to the people I got to talk to and see if that we can make that fight happen because it makes sense. You know, Jamar Charlo, he's 30 years old. I'm 24 years old. And we're both in the same promotion company. You know, PBC and uh, uh, Premier Boxing Champions, we need a big fight. We need a big, big pay-per-view fight. And this could potentially be a pay-per-view fight. So why wouldn't it, Why wouldn't we do it? Who else is he going to fight at 160? There's nobody else from the fight at 160. So why not fight me? I, I Look, I agree. I, I, I've been calling for him to fight Demetrius Andrade for like a year and a half. That's obviously not going to happen. Um, if you're not going to fight any of the top guys at 160, you might as well go up and you're, you're an obvious candidate there. Exactly. And um, I feel like since they're giving everybody interim titles now, why not give <laughs> me and Charlo an interim title and then the, the winner fights Canelo? Why not? Just, just, just don't pay the sanctioning fee, man. Don't, <laughs> don't pay the money. Don't, don't, don't put, keep that money in your pocket. You guys work, you guys work way too hard and do way too much to, to be handing over uh, that kind of money. Uh, exactly. On the weight, on the weight issue, like you know, you're at 168 now, and you're gonna keep you, you're feeling good. But with Canelo, like it does seem more likely than not that it would be into 2022 before you would even get that opportunity. Do you think he can stay around 168 that long for that fight? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, the the stakes are higher now. I mean. This camp, I mean, I'm already away a week before, so I could just do the same thing I did this camp. You know what I mean? Um, come back. If I got to come back one more time, you know, four-month camp, I'll do a four-month camp. This and stuff's necessary to get Canelo. You know, I'm fighting Ronald Ellis. You know, I'm no disrespect to Ronald Ellis. He's not really a big name, and I've prepared for him. Like, he's a world champion. I'm, at, I'm on weight a week before. So imagine how much motivation I'd have with Canelo. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the the last fight against Angulo, the fight itself. Do you feel like you learned anything from that experience? Um, yeah. I mean, it's always uh, sorry, always learning. What I got from that fight is uh, that I'm proud of myself. Is that I stopped the fighter. Nobody's ever stopped. Nobody's ever even hurt. You know, he's a tough guy. He give uh, he almost dropped Shudo Ramirez twice. He beat Anthony Sims, a good prospect at 175, and nobody's ever been able to hurt him. And I went in there and I made him quit. You know, he himself said that he couldn't continue in round uh, round, round 10, round 11. 
So, I mean, I gained that, but obviously it was a b- bittersweet victory since I lost my title. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, what I learned from that fight is I can hurt whoever. It don't matter. I'll hurt whoever. You know, and it, it doesn't matter if they're slick, they're stocky, or they just move around all, you know, I'm going to find them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that sweet spot, you know, one way or another. No question. Well, David, good to have you back, man. Looking forward to seeing you back in against Ronald Ellis and hopefully in one of those big fights that you're talking about later this year at hell, man. Canelo, I'll say this about Canelo. He, he does take on all comers. Like if it's a legit fighter, he's, he's going to fight him. So I, I, you know, that I think regardless of promotional ties, whatever, Pretty good chance you get that fight if you stay at one. Yeah, definitely, and that's why I want to get the big fights. I want to get Charlo and these other, and then so when we get a fight with Canelo, it's going to be even bigger than it is potentially now. So I mean, but um, but thank you, man. I appreciate the interview always, man, and um, we'll definitely talk. Uh, we'll talk soon. You got it, David. Thanks for your time. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.